So glad you're with us this morning here in person. If you're watching online, we're just thrilled that you would take the time to meet with us and with God this morning. Grateful that you're a part of what we're doing. If you have your blue piece of paper, I'll have to tell you a story about that sometime. I didn't call it a paper and I got in trouble and that's all I'm going to say. Be grateful I learned when I was young what, what to say and what not to say. You guys okay this morning? You ready to meet with God? In his word, we've already met with him in worship. Amen? Awesome time. Today we want to continue on in our series, God, Where Are You? And today, I've entitled it, Just Three Hours a Day, Lord. And you might go, that's an odd title. And you're right. But I'm going to explain something to you as we get through this. During last month, we celebrated another anniversary of the terror attack of the Twin Towers in New York City. I'm sure that any, anyone and everyone in this room can remember where they were when this event took place. You see, when the yogurt hits the fan in our lives, many of us are paralyzed not knowing what is the next thing to do. How do you cope when your life is turned upside down? When you're fighting for the next breath because you're overwhelmed with anxiety or with despair, where does the strength come from to make the next move? Where do you turn? Who do you turn to? If you've had that experience, you understand the fear that overcomes your heart and mind, even just as I describe it to you. For those of you that have been fortunate not to experience this, allow me to put a simple yet practical tool in your how to cope with life toolbox. After about two months in my journey of pain, I hit a wall and just like when a person experiences grief when a loved one dies or when a pastor leaves a church or a person who's walking through the emotions of a relational breakup, the period of shock flows over into a time where you're facing reality head on. It's during this phase of my experience when I was sitting with one of my closest advisors and I mentioned to him that I didn't even think I could get through the next day. And he gave me advice. He said this, Bob, just ask God to get you through the next three hours. Make it your prayer. And when you get through those three hours, ask him for three more. In spending time with the elders of this church, I know that many of them wondered how they were going to get through the day when faced with the reality of a recent pastoral transition happened. I'm not sure what obstacle you're facing today. It may be your health, maybe your family, it may be your job, it may be your extended family. But know this, when the going gets tough, the tough cry out to God for wisdom, for strength, 
for courage. And when these are lacking, they can always ask God for just three hours. Allow me in a moment as I give you the bit of the context of this passage that we've been working through in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is the second letter of Paul to the church at Corinth. And scholars actually believe this was the fourth letter because there was a letter that came to Paul. He responded with the first letter. He got another letter back and he responded with this letter. So there were four letters. And in this particular letter, He's defending his leadership. He had to attempt to make it to the church to visit them in person, but he wasn't able to do that. And as a result of that, people were saying that they were accusing him of poor leadership. One leadership lesson that I've learned is that leaders need to be flexible, not fickle. You have to be flexible. You have to over-communicate with your people, and this is our commitment to you. Now, I haven't done this yet, but it is usually my custom to ask you to stand while we read our passage. Will you do that with me this morning? Follow along on our screen. This is God's holy word. Let's read it together. Now that the worst is over, we're pleased we can report that we have come out of this with conscience and faith intact and can face the world and even more importantly, face you with our heads held high. But it wasn't by any fancy footwork on our part. It was God who kept us focused on him, uncompromised. Don't try to read between the lines or look for hidden meetings in this letter. We're writing plain, unembellished truth, hoping that you will now see the whole picture as well as you have seen some of the details. We want you to be as proud of us as we are of you when we stand together before our master, Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. May we be open to hear him today. Amen? Please be seated. So what do you do during those three hours? That's a great question. There's four things I want to share with you this morning. In your notes, let's start going. Ready? Hold on tight to God. The Christian music group Sanctus Real has a song called Promises. Listen to the words of some of this song. Sometimes it's hard to keep believing in what you can't see that everything happens for a reason, even the worst life brings. If you're reaching for an answer and you don't know how to pray, just open up the pages and let his word be your strength. Hold on to the promises. Hold on to the promises. Jesus is alive, so hold tight. Hold on to the promises. When you're fighting for your life, There is no better place to run than to run into the word of God. And here's what I usually see happen over my years of ministry, is that when the going gets tough, many people step away. 
They step away from their cell groups. They step away from their circle groups. They step away from church services. They step away from people that would love and encourage them. And I don't know why that is. I'm afraid that there are more believers who trip and fall and then quit when difficulties come our way because we're not grounded in God's word. I'm afraid that there are more believers who do that when they have hard times. Now listen to the words of David in Psalm 57. It says, be good to me, God, and now I run to you for dear life. I'm hiding out under your wings until the hurricane blows over. I call out to a high God and the God who holds me together. He sends orders from the heavens and saves me. He humiliates those who kick me around. God delivers generous love. He makes good on his word. I want to encourage you to take three action steps when you're in this three-hour window. It's not in your notes, but just find a place where you can, you can write it beside the passage that we just read. Here's the first one. Relist, resist letting go when you don't see God working. There's a story in Scripture, friends, of God... God's people expecting a time of waiting, and they were thinking that God was not at work. Like Joseph, God was at work all the time through his life, through his prison cell experience, through being in the palace. And many of us, God is using this time to deepen our faith, to stretch our thinking, to sure up the gaps in our character in becoming what God wants us to become. And the fact that you may not see God at work But he is at work, and that's faith. So you need to trust him, you need to hold him. The second thing is you need to resolve to cling to God's unfailing love. David said God delivers generous love. God's love never fails or never will fail. In fact, it is his love that is sustaining you in your darkest hours, for he knows you are as Isaiah says, but dust. Isaiah says in 42 verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. But here's another key thought. You need to release any hurt in your life so that you can get a cleaner grip on God. Hurt in your life is like having dirt in your hands. And what's the first thing you do when you're trying to grip a hammer or a wrench when you have grime or dirt in your hand? You clean it off. You get a rag or you use your leg. Because you know that if you don't, it's going to compromise your ability to grip tightly. In your notes, don't miss this. You can't hold on tight to God if you are still holding your hurt. Matthew records for us Jesus' words about forgiveness. I don't like this verse. Just so you know, I'm going to be up front with you. Because of the implications of what's there. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without forgiving others. 
If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. What's he basically saying here? He's saying, if you won't forgive those that you see, God's not going to extend to you the forgiveness you need. Now, isn't that something to think about? If I'm holding bitterness and anger and resentment in my hand, and I'm wanting God to forgive me, but I'm not forgiving the one that's hurt me, then I'm cutting off the very forgiveness that God wants to give to me. That's a profound statement. So remember, first of all, hold tight to God. Secondly, ease off wanting to know everything first. Can I ask you a question this morning? How many of you are control freaks? Put up your hand. Just one, but I can put up three. How many of you are sitting next to that control freak? No, don't look at me. Look at me. And duck, because they're probably going to hit you. No, I'm just kidding. Write this down, because this is an insight that I think you need to know about pain. Pain more than anything, demands you take control. Think about that. When you are confronted with the pain, the very first thing you want to do is you want to take control. You want to stop the pain. When everything in the earth is going well, you're okay. But what, what happens when life gets out of control? We immediately want control. I could tell you stories. I was in Windsor next to Detroit in the year that 9-11 happened. When they closed that border, they went, they went on full control. It took them weeks to open up that border. When you're hanging on tightly to God, you have to ease off wanting to know everything first. When you're seeking to walk a road of trust with God, you have to give up. Control. <laughs> Here's what I know, friends. You can either give up control or something else will happen. God will take it from you. How are we to live? Look at what the Bible says in Psalm or Proverbs 3. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do everywhere you go, and he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. This is a complete walk of trust for us. Look in your notes. Here's another truth that some of us maybe need to hear this morning. The reason we're trying to, we feel like giving up is because we're trying to control something we can't. The reason you feel like giving up is you're trying to control something that you can't. And so because you can't, you give up. But let me ask you a very important question this morning, friend. What is it that you have control over in your life? Can I give you a, a tip about this? Very little. We act like the whole world would fall apart if we don't hold it together but there are two byproducts that come into your life when you don't suspend the knowing of how things are going to turn out. Look what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4. 
Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything comes together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. When you're seeking to control, one of the byproducts is that you will worry and not trust. You cannot worry and trust too. But praying develops your trust muscle. Look what it says. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You see, difficult times can displace worry and it can be replaced with trust if we're willing to surrender control of our lives to God. The second byproduct is found in this next passage. Don't bargain with God. Be be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your little boy asks for a serving of fish, Do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. Look at this next part. And don't you think the Father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him? When you are seeking to control your life and others too, the second byproduct is you will doubt God's plan and you won't trust him. One of my mentors said this, we refuse to believe that which we do not understand. Think about that for a moment. We refuse to believe that which we do not understand. It's true. This past week in my listening time, I was reflecting on the passage from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. There's a big difference between fact and faith. Fact is what I see now. The fact is, I am here on this platform. I'm here speaking to you, sharing God's word with you. I see my bank account when I look at my phone. That's a fact. It's either one of crying or it's one of rejoicing. But you get that, right? Faith is so different. Faith is what I believe I will see soon. So either you say, I have it in my hands, so this is proof. That's living by fact. And faith says, I have an open hand to see how God is going to provide. And that will be my proof. Do you see the difference? Hebrews chapter 11, the whole chapter is about people who believed before they received it. Abraham, Noah, the question I have to ask myself is do I really live more by faith or by fact? Living by faith surrenders control. Living by fact is a smokescreen for wanting control. Praying helps you stay the course and trust God that he knows the details that you don't. Number three, you okay? Still with me? Say yes. All right, good. I want to make sure you're, what? You're, you're listening. Look 
for the fingerprints of God's control. When I, came, when I finally came to peace about not having control, it changed my whole perspective on how I looked at life. Rather than spending all of my energy on things that I could not control, I began to focus on where I could see God being in control. And when I would see it, I would write in my journal the word giggle. I know it sounds a little weird, but I was kind of giggling at, oh God, you're showing up again. And this represented something that happened that only God could do, only he could orchestrate. I've got many stories that I could share with you, but I want to share just one with you. Nine months into my journey, I knew that I had to find a new place to stay because we were selling our home. And I was working full time and I was starting a business on the side and I was going to different meetings and I really didn't have time to look for one. So I spent one Sunday afternoon searching online and then after about two hours, I closed my computer and I said out loud these words, this is crazy, I don't have time for this. Got up the next day and went to work. And as I was driving home, I was chatting with my best friend who's down east on my phone, checking in on me and seeing how I was doing. And I pulled up into the driveway and then I backed in and I was sitting in the car talking with him. So I'm looking out at the road. A few minutes later, a car pulled up at the end of the driveway and there was a man and a woman in it. And the man proceeds to get out and start walking up the driveway towards me. I quickly said to my friend, there's a stranger walking up to the car. If I don't call you back in 10 minutes, please call the police. And we laughed. And I hung up, but I got out of the car, and I greeted the man graciously and asked him how I could help him. And he said, you're Pastor Bob, right? And I responded, well, I was. I'm not at church anymore. He said, do you, you don't remember me, do you? I had to confess, I don't ever recall meeting him before. And he said, my name is Jeff, and we're from New Zealand, and, and we, we come to your church when we come to Alberta when we visit from April to August. And I sheepishly responded, oh, I remember you guys, and I still don't think I did. Once again, I said, how can I help you? He said, my wife and I got up this morning, and during our prayer time, God told me to go and find you. I smiled, oh really? Listen carefully what, to what he said next. We are not coming back next year, so we wondered if you knew anyone who was looking for a house to rent. My eyes began to tear up. I said, I do know someone who's looking for a place to live. And he said, oh? And I said, me. He laughed. I cried. Friends, it was just down the hill to the right. It was fully furnished. And I could move in next week. And that night in my journal, after describing the events of the day, I penned once again the word, giggle. Giggle. Only God could do that, friends. No one else knew that I was looking. The Bible says in Psalm 139, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. 
Your workmanship is wonderful. How well I know it. The God who created you is the God who is in control of every aspect of your life. He created you and he will sustain you even in the darkest hour of times. Surrender grasping for control and seek out places where he is in control because when you surrender your control, he replaces it with a peace that passes all your understanding and he fills your heart with joy. Because you're not trying to strive for it. Make it your mission for today and every day to do two things. I'm a simple guy. I like to communicate. But here's how I look at my life. In the morning, I commit myself and my day to God. That's the first thing. Cheryl and I have devotions together, whether we're together physically or whether we're just on the phone. And we commit ourselves to God. This is your day. Use us. And then there's a second thing that we ask all the time. God, will you give us the ability to listen for your promptings during the day and then be obedient to do it? Then watch how God can pull things together in ways that are beyond your wildest imagination. That is when you walk in wonder. That is when your life is filled with shouts of praise and your journals are filled with giggles. Because you partner with God. As you're going through the day, Lord, this day is yours. I am yours. Lead me, guide me, direct me. And then give me the ears to hear your voice. And to respond. I'll talk about that some other time. So let's review. Hold on tight to God. Ease off wanting to know everything. Look for the fingerprints of God's control. And lastly, prune away what is holding you back. When God has stopped you dead in your tracks, that is a great time for you to do an inventory of what is really holding you back from experiencing God's presence. Seize this opportunity. Just the opportunity that we're in right now as we're going through a season of transition. Seize this to say, God, where, where are, do you need to work in my life? See, in Hebrews, how the faithful servants who had gone before are cheering us to persevere and fight the good fight. For a few moments remaining this morning, I want to pull one key thought of this one verse. Look what it says in your notes. From Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip away every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It says we're we're instructed to strip off every weight that slows us down the weight of sinful habits. We get this, but let me zero in on the next phrase, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, what is the sin? It's singular that says trips us up. As I was reflecting on this, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me an insight as it relates to our conversation this morning, and this is what he said, the sin that you and I 
have to remove from our lives is the sin of removing God from the throne of our lives and replacing it with self at the center of our lives. Basically, that means we, we, we pull God off the throne because we don't think he's doing a good enough job, and we get back on the throne so that we can have control again. When life is appearing to be going well, we can, come, we be, can become deceived to think that we are the reason that all is well in wonderland. We can become self-sufficient. We can become self-reliant, self-driven, selfish. You see, the sin that so easily entangles me and trips me up, cascades me into the ditch, is relying on me and not living a life of trust. When you are solely responsible on yourself to get through the next three hours, they can be the three longest hours of your life. But when you let God teach you, when you let God train you, when you let God reveal to you those areas, those attitudes, those beliefs, those choices that are weighing you down, then and only then can you when you are simply trusting God, will you be filled with love and peace and joy? All the fruit of the Spirit. Friends, it is difficult to walk three hours alone. You see, when you walk alone, you start to believe the lies. When we walk alone, we give in to harmful addictions. When we walk alone, we begin to doubt that God is at work, and when we walk alone, we want to quit and give up. But look at me, friends. When you're trying to do it all by yourself, when you're trying to have all of the answers, all of the angles covered, all of the control, you end up feeling alone and miserable. But the good news is this. You're never alone. I'll close with this. There was a great song by Babby Mason we used to hear back in the day. It summarizes just what we've discussed together, and here are some of the words. No, I'm not going to sing. I want you to come back next week. Look at what, I, what she says. All things work for our good, though sometimes we can't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes bind us to the truth. Our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just can't see him, remember, you're never alone. God is too wise to be mistaken. He's too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. That, my friends, is how you can get through three hours a day. Will you pray with me?
as the worship team comes. I want to invite you before I pray just to ask the Lord, what is it that he's asking of you today? Where does he need to open, maybe even pry open your hand to loosen your grip so that you can put his hand in your hand? Father in heaven, we want to bless you for being here with us this morning. We know that you're here with us. You're in this service and you're even watching those that are watching at line, online at home. Today, may we hold on to you with a grip of faith. We look around at the events of this world and we see chaos. But when we choose to hold your hand and look into your face, you calm us down. Regardless of the storm that any of us, of us are in today, you are with us. And Jesus, forgive us for wanting control of everything, especially when we're in pain. Allow us to trust you and look for your fingerprints where you're working in and around us. May we marvel at how you do things that only you can do. And Holy Spirit, will you point out to each of us the times when we yank you off the throne of our lives and believe we have a better plan for our lives? gently remind us to release the pain, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness from our hands so that we can grip you tightly today. We need your presence today. We need your power today. We need your protection today. And Lord, we need your peace today to trust in you and to be obedient to you when you prompt us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.